Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And last time we talked about a certain sin called sloth, um, which is a little different from laziness, although of course they're connected. And the Bible has a lot to say about sloth and its opposite, diligence. We talked about the fact that sloth is essentially being slow, just like the animal sloth is a very slow animal. So being slothful means that we are slow to do what we know we ought to do. Uh, we find excuses. Uh, we find reasons. Usually it's because something's a hard thing to do or it's, or, or it's uh, something we don't enjoy doing very much. And so we tend to put it off and put it off. And that is being a sloth. Uh, being diligent, of course, is being quick to obey God, being quick to do what we ought to do. There's some areas of our life where we probably are diligent. There can be other areas of our life where we're slothful because we just don't like that particular thing. And yet being slothful causes chaos to build up in that part of our life and actually makes our life much harder. And so we want to recognize slothfulness and replace it with diligence. And so today we're talking about the spirit of diligence. You know, sloths wait for all the ducks to line up before they act. They wait for perfect conditions. They, the, but the truth is, things will not change for the better until you act, until you take action. Slothfulness is a, is a weak will, not willing to take action. It's waiting till I feel like it. But it's actually when we act and obey God that God's power is released through our actions the situation changes for the better and, and the good feelings comes when we actually act. A sloth is unwilling to take personal responsibility for his life, so he tends to be passive and he's stuck in a rut in that area of his life. And then he can even blame others or his circumstances for his inevitable failure. He, he plays the uh, victim. That's when it's a deep-set slothfulness. By making excuses, blaming others for our lack of progress, uh, sloths can justify their passivity and remain in it, rather than take responsibility for their actions and their own life, and doing what needs to be done, whatever, however difficult that might be. You see, if I can always make it someone else's fault, or the fault of my circumstances, I'll just stay weak and passive. Oh, there's nothing I can do about it. People do this often because it's just easier and it requires less of them than if they actually uh, take responsibility for their own life. So whatever setbacks and challenges you might face in an area of your life, realize that God's grace is there for you, for you to rebound, but, it's a, but you must take responsibility. Don't stay on your back in passivity. Get up. Go forward against that problem, trusting God to help you. We're talking about how to overcome sloth and develop diligence. Romans says, do not be overcome by evil. Do not be overcome by sloth, but overcome evil with good. In other words, move in the opposite spirit. Move in the spirit of diligence if you want to overcome sloth. We overcome a negative spirit by moving in the opposite spirit. We overcome the spirit of sloth by moving in the spirit of diligence, developing the attitude of diligence in our life. What does that mean? I'm going to give you ten points. Number one, take responsibility for your own life. Realize God made you in his image. That means he gave you a, f a free will. He gave you the ability to make decisions and choices and to exercise dominion over your circumstances. That's in very 
Genesis 1. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have the dominion over the fish, the birds, the cattle, over all the earth and over all the creeping things on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over everything that moves on the earth. So you have been given a will. You have been given the ability to decide and to take dominion over your circumstances. And we, you need to take charge of your own life. The sloth is passive and makes excuses and blames others for their problems, plays the victim, but the diligent realizes that he must take responsibility for his own life, for his thoughts. He realizes that rather than drifting through life with a flabby will, following his feelings, just letting his thoughts run free, he must exercise and strengthen his will, control his thoughts, focus his energies, and be decisive in making choices about what is worth doing and what is worth pursuing. He must take charge of his life because no one else will. God gave him that will, that authority over his own life that he must use. If part of his life is in a mess, he should avoid excuses because that just leads to more passivity and feelings of helplessness and depression. Rather, the diligent takes responsibility for turning the situation around. He sees the challenge as an opportunity to be stronger. So that's the first point. The diligent person takes responsibility. Secondly, whereas the sloth has a weak, flabby will and so always chooses the easiest course of action, and avoids the unpleasant and challenging tasks, the diligent decides his course of action, not based on how easy or hard it is, but based on priorities, his priorities of what's important. He weighs in his heart what is the most important thing to do, and he does that first, whether he prefers to or not. Diligence means setting priorities, doing the most important thing first. On the other hand, the sloth avoids doing the things he prefers not to do. Until they build up so much and that they become so absolutely urgent that he's forced to do it. As a result, the sloth is not ruling his life, but he finds himself being continually pressed and controlled by what's urgent. Doing things because he's forced to do them by the pressure of circumstances, and he actually neglects what is really important. The diligent, however, put first things first and he, they do them even if they're difficult. And as a result, they find everything else falls easily into place. They find themselves coming into a place of dominion and rulership over their life. Proverbs says, The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be put to forced labor. Well, the third point is, the most important example of this, really, in putting first things first, is realizing that our relationship with God is by far the most important thing in our life and acting accordingly. The first area of diligence is putting God first, seeking him first in the day, making sure that every day we come into his presence with praise and worship and spending some devotional time with him. Just as Jesus said in Matthew 6, after all these things, all these things in our life, yes, the Gentiles seek, but your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God. Seek God and his rule over you. And seek his righteousness. That is, his instructions for your life. And all these other things, 
Yes, they're important, but they're less important. All these other things in your life will be added to you. In other words, Jesus promises that if you will put him first, then all the, everything else will fall into place if you're diligent to put God first. Because when you do that, you receive his strength, his wisdom, his life, his ability, and, your, his, and his faith to receive all these other things. So our first step toward eliminating sloth in our life, developing diligence, has to be to make sure that we are faithful in our private devotions to Christ, in, a, in the word of God, in praise, in prayer, and also faithful in our public devotion to Christ in church. We need to put aside our excuses for not putting him first, not making our relationship with him our first priority. It may be a challenge for us, to change our priorities, lay aside and sacrifice other things that have become more important to us than loving him. But it's essential to, if, that we're diligent in this area if we're going to make progress in our life. You know, Jesus set forth Mary as our great example in this in, in Luke 10. It says, he entered a certain village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into the, her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen that good part, that good portion, which will not be taken away from her. You see, many things are important to us, that distract us, that demand our attention. But Jesus said only one thing is absolutely essential and necessary. There's one thing that's so much more valuable and important than anything else that it's in a category by itself. And that's your relationship with God, the presence of God in your life. You know, this becomes clearer when you realize that any moment you could die and leave your body. And right then, all the things of this life fall away, there is nothing. They don't matter. The only remaining reality, the only abiding reality that will govern your eternal destiny is your relationship with God. Mary is praised by Jesus for realizing this, that sitting in Jesus' presence at his feet, in devotion, receiving his word, that she valued that above everything else. You know, if they had no food, nothing to eat that evening, and they, they just sat and received from Jesus... They would survive, it would be fine. She put first things first, and she pleased Jesus by choosing and being diligent in what is of supreme importance, even if it meant being criticized. She knew that her connection with Jesus was all important for everything else in her life to be right. You know, Jesus wasn't devaluing the other things, but he was saying that there is one thing that we must value far above all other things as being necessary for our life. And if we will be diligent in this one necessary thing, then by his grace he will give us dominion over all the other things in life. They'll all fall into their right place. So being diligent in our relationship with God, that's a major key to overcoming sloth, especially entrenched sloth in the other areas of our lives. The reason is simple, that the only way, according to the Bible, the only way we can overcome the power of the flesh, of sin, is by the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. We can only live the life God wants us to live if we trust and surrender to him 
and allow his spirit to fill us and lead us and empower us. As it says in Philippians, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. And so we need the power of God in us to actually do his good pleasure and even desire his good pleasure. It starts by honoring our relationship with God first. Praise God. So when you wake up, be diligent. Get up and seek the Lord before you do anything else in praise and worship. Give your day to him. Ask him to lead you and show you what to do. And then write it down so you don't forget. It might be a job you've been putting off. He might tell you to visit someone. He might tell you to phone someone or witness to someone. Write it down and make sure you're diligent to do it. Don't leave it for tomorrow. The fourth point about diligence is that when God tells you to do something, even if you don't fully understand it, even if you don't feel like doing it, don't question and don't delay unnecessarily to do it. You trust God. He knows what his business Seek to obey quickly and obey God quickly in your life, and then you'll receive a release of life. You know, we see this in Abraham's life. A number of times, Abraham delayed his obedience to God. It wasn't convenient. He'd have to suffer a loss if he obeyed. And as a result of his delays, he lost many years of blessing as a result you'll see that God actually waits on Abraham, sometimes years, until he obeys him fully. And only then does God actually release the blessing in his life and then move him on to the next stage, stage of his life, uh, revealing the next step. And, and so he had experienced this reality that when you delay your obedience, your life gets stuck. Um, what happens actually also, your life is like a rolling stone and it gathers moss. And so if it's rolling in the wrong direction, it, it takes on an inertia and it becomes harder and harder for you to turn it around and, and to obey. So the quicker you obey, the quicker you, you, you know, the longer you wait, the more um, inertia uh, builds up, taking you in the wrong direction you tend to get involved and entangled in other things and it gets harder then to obey God. And so you, we lose out on the blessing of God in that way. So the easiest time to obey is soon after you hear God's instruction. And, uh, you know, or, or soon after you simply see, you can see it, what the right thing to do is. That's the time to do it. The longer you wait, the harder it gets. Because, as I said, other things come in to divert and distract you. Now, by the time Abraham was asked to offer up Isaac, the biggest test of his life, he had learnt this lesson of how important it is to be diligent and quick to obey God, even when you don't understand the reason, especially if it's a hard thing to do, like a big sacrifice. He knew from experience that God would reward his obedience with greater blessing and that God would work it out right if he would trust him. And so Abraham also knew if he allowed himself the luxury of waiting till he analyzed it, till he understood it, till he felt right about it, he would never get round to doing it. The longer he delayed, the more likely he would never obey. And so one of the most impressive things to me about Abraham is his quick obedience. What a thing he was asked to do. But let's read that in Genesis 22. 
God said, Now take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I should shout, tell you. So Abraham, and here's the key, rose early in the morning. He rose early in the morning. Isn't that amazing? And saddled his donkey and took the two young men and Isaac and the wood for the burnt offering, and he went to the place God told him. Now, most of us would have had a long lion as we struggled with the decision, looking for excuses to delay our obedience. Isaac was the most precious thing in his life, but God was asking him to prove that he valued his relationship with God more highly than anything else, that he loved God more than he even loved his own son. And so Abraham decided to put God first and obey him quickly. He made it his first priority, even though it was a hard thing. And he refused to open his mind to thoughts tempting him to back down. So he set himself to obey, to get up early, to put everything aside. And without delay, he got on with the business of obeying God. What an amazing picture of diligence. Setting aside his natural feelings to obey God without delay. And as a result, God released multiplied blessings in his life. My fifth point is that to overcome sloth, we must develop a willingness to work hard. You know, realize hard work will not hurt you. It's actually good for you. Work is a blessing, not a necessary evil. Adam, God gave Adam a job to do before the fall. So work is not just something God gives us to keep us out of trouble. God told him to, uh, he put him in the Garden of Eden to keep and tend it. That was his job. And it says in Revelation 22.3 that in eternity his servants will serve him. So we'll be working in eternity. It's God's way of causing us to be productive. Work is important for our character development, to overcome our laziness, our selfishness, and to develop a servant heart in us. Doing things you don't like to do is good for you, actually, because it makes you put others first before your own interests. You know, when Jesus washed his disciples' feet, he was doing what was considered the lowest job, the job that a slave would do. And he did it to give them an example to follow, to be a servant of all, to take on the hard and unpleasant jobs when necessary. He says in John 13, when he had washed their feet, he said to them, do you know what I've done for you? You call me the teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I've done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you who do them, if you do them. Notice again, the blessing is released when you actually do it, not when you think about it, not when you wait to feel like you want to do it. That's a big trap that causes us to delay our feelings. That's a weak person, always looking to their feelings. The truth is, you'll never feel like doing certain things. It's only when you actually do it, and then the blessing flows, then the good feelings will happen. My sixth point is, avoid the tendency to do the nice jobs first and put the harder ones off until later because then you'll never get round to the harder ones. When God shows you something to do, don't flinch from the harder jobs. Yes, bear in mind there is a psychological pain barrier you have to go through when you take on some jobs. That's why we avoid them. But it won't last long. You'll quickly get through it. You know, it's like going into at the seaside, going into the water 
for a few seconds it's unpleasant because it's co it feels cold but once you're immersed in the water it feels fine your body adjusts and you enjoy it and it's like that there's a quick initial discomfort taking on a hard job but when you actually do it quickly the blessing flows and, and you actually can start enjoying it and so a good it's uh, don't substitute an important tough job for something you prefer to do that's easier that is being a sloth a good stra strategy for overcoming sloth is a, 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 is to do your most unpleasant task of any day as the first task of the day get get it over with and then clear the day and then while you're fresh and then everything else will be easier my seventh point is that if the task you face is a complex one even if it's overwhelming break it down into pieces and do it bit by bit do what you can do first and that will improve things and then it will be clearer what you can do next don't just wait till you can do it in one go start chipping away at it bit by bit my eighth point is where a part of your life is disorganized then it's because you're ruled by sloth in that area diligence means develop a plan of action develop a weekly a daily a weekly a monthly routine and then keep to it the diligent you see take responsibility they make a plan to do it and then they execute that plan you create a plan that works and then you work the plan and then you build that discipline in your life that's dis that's diligence the ninth point is that the diligent plan ahead they prepare for their future whether it's by training education saving whatever and God gives us the answers a wonderful picture of diligence here because they work hard getting their food ready in the summer so that they'll have food for the future winter Proverbs says go to the ant you sluggard you sloth consider her ways and be wise who having no captain overseer or ruler provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest how long will you slumber O sluggard when will you rise from your sleep a little sleep a little slumber a little folding of the hands to sleep so shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man you see by contrast with the diligent the sloth or the sluggard just lives in the present they choose the easiest path right now they're not thinking of the future they're not planning for their future they're not working towards their future they're just motivated by their present comfort and ease and so they don't act when they ought to act but they delay they prefer an easy life now but as a result make no provision for the future and so that means in the future they will suffer uh, lack and suffering the ants at least are diligent you see because they know they'll need food in the winter so they work hard in the summer they store it up for the winter that's diligence it's planning the future Proverbs 15 says the way of the slothful man is as a hedge of thorns but the way of the righteous is made plain that's because the righteous are constantly planning into their future and so when you reach the future it's plain but the slothful man doesn't think about the future so when they reach the future nothing's prepared it's a way of thorns and so their life becomes harder and harder as they go along finally let me say to you the final point about diligence the most important thing that you must be diligent in in this life is to be diligent to turn to Christ now you see the greatest example of sloth is how the unbelieving world 
just lives for today, like I've been describing. They make no plans for eternity. They don't think about being ready for eternity, that they could step into eternity at any time. And so they put off seeking God. They put off turning to God for another day. Oh, I'll turn to God later in my life. And they're being slothful. They're delaying doing what they know they ought to do. And, and then it says, sudden destruction will come on the sloth. Because at some point, they will reap the, the bad effects of their slothfulness. They know they need to get right with God, but they delay and delay until sudden destruction comes on them when they die. Because they can't control when that happens. As the proverb says, this is my, my translation, a little sleep, a little delay, so your destruction will suddenly come on you as an armed thief, taking everything you have. Don't be that person. Don't be slothful in your life. Don't be someone who hasn't given your heart completely to the Lord Jesus Christ. See, many people have heard the gospel. They know about it. They delay their response because they know that coming to Christ will mean changes in their life, changes in their priorities. And so they put that off. They want to be the king of their own life as long as possible. What foolishness it is to gamble with your eternity, with your eternal future. Foolishness to take the risk of going to hell. You don't know when you're going to die. Be diligent. Come to Christ. Give your life to him. Put all your trust in him for your forgiveness and your eternal life. Don't delay. Don't be a sloth. This is the most important thing of all. And the, the diligent focus on the most important thing. And even though it's a big decision, even though it's a brave decision, the diligent take that on and they possess their land. Come to Christ and receive and take possession of his gift of eternal life, his gift of forgiveness. Don't let it ride any longer. And whatever else there's in your life that's in chaos, don't let it be. Start saying, right, I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to start taking steps to take control of that area. Don't be a sloth, but be diligent. And then you'll find yourself ruling in life. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And our vision is to spread the in-depth teaching of the Word of God to the ends of the earth. But we need your help. And on our website, oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk, you, you can find the, a way you can help us financially, and we would be so grateful. We shared about Abraham offering up Isaac and how diligent he was to obey God. And I have this book called Mount Moriah, Golgotha and the Garden Tomb that really tells the story of Abraham and Isaac and how that is foundational to, to what Christ did. And you'll, you'll get such revelation through reading this. And I've also got this on DVD, two DVDs, Mount Moriah and Golgotha and Golgotha and the Garden Tomb. And uh, this will open up the scriptures in a wonderful way to you. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk 
or by calling 01865 515 086.